Hi, and welcome to Too Tired, I Mean Too Sober Chicks. <laughs> My name is Julie. And I'm Lisa. And yes, we are both a little bit We're sleepy today. We're both tired, today. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting that we've picked this podcast to answer listener questions. Right. So we'll see what comes out. Okay, good. Go for it. So what do we have? Okay. And so, these came from our email. Yes, and we will answer every question that, that comes you in. email us yeah. on air. Unless you prefer it to be private, then we will not. So email us your questions at yeah. twosoberchicks at gmail.com. And if you want us to mention your names, just let us know that that's okay. Of course, we'd only use first names. Uh, if you don't want to be acknowledged at all, please say, please do not mention my name. Perfect. And we won't. Because sometimes we casually mention somebody's first name or... But if you don't want that, then we need to know. We need you to expressly say. Because we are tired and we might forget. We lead very busy lives. <laughs> We're so important. <laughs> Just run ragged. I don't know about important, but definitely tired. Yes. <sighs> okay. okay. I'm ready. Go. Okay, me too. So this listener question is that they are going to start the sex inventory in their fourth step, and they'd like to know both of our experiences. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I think, too, it depends on uh, which fourth step you're at. So is this your first fourth step that you've done? You might be surprised to hear that you can do a fourth step more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe one of the secrets to um, spiritual wellness and continued growth is continuing to reevaluate where you are, to dig deeper and to look at your life. Uh, and take ownership and responsibility of your actions throughout your whole journey in sobriety. For, so for me, like I actually thought that you would do all the 12 steps once, then I'd get a little certificate of graduation and then I would I'd be able to go out and drink again. <laughs> um, but that doesn't happen. Sorry, bubble, burst. Um, yeah, so, and because I know the first time I did this, it wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. And I believe this listener also said something like, uh, I've noticed in... in in the rooms they kind of skirt over it or yeah yeah and I think too maybe that's just for um people's own comfort because they are mixed right men and women in rooms together maybe it's not always the easiest thing to bring up a topic of sex it's more of a private get together with your sponsor and and start to dig in deep so yeah um but yeah and it also isn't really talked about that much in the big book Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my sponsor was the one who pointed out to me that uh, sex stuff is mentioned on page sixty-nine, which we both <laughs> were teehed about. I thought Lisa was kidding when she said that. <laughs> I was like, "What?" But it's true. Page sixty-nine in how it works is where it talks about those things, um, and what it says is we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. So basically, you're digging back through your sexual history. Um, and I thought it was important to list, you know, the, all the hundreds of not hundreds several people <laughs> the few people that I'd slept with um, Hello, Gene Simmons <laughs> list the whole the whole gamut and how could I possibly remember them because sometimes I couldn't but that could give you a little bit of an inventory right there absolutely maybe maybe you shouldn't have been so careless with this and tossed it around um, so where had we been selfish dishonest inconsiderate whom had we hurt did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Oh, this is bringing back some memories, mm. <laughs> making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. And that's pretty much all it says, right? That's about it. That's the gist of it right there. Um, and then it talks about 
a list. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. From that, I also got a great tip, which I think my sponsor got from the NA workbook, about um, making a, re- a future relationship list. So before I got in the relationship that I'm in now, I sat down and I listed out what makes a good relationship. That's smart. What do I want going forward? And and then after I did that, he, he handed me the list back and he said, oh, great. That's now what you want. But I want to know what you are bringing to the relationship. I love that. Are you bringing fidelity? Are you bringing honesty? You know, are you letting go of jealousy and manipulation? You know, those things. So mm-hmm. it was a really eye-opening experience. And then being mindful of those things. And I can honestly say this is the first time in my entire life that I have a relationship that is void of jealousy. Wow. I have never had that before. That's amazing. I was always very jealous, very insecure, um, and manipulative. And I didn't even know that I was being manipulative. Maybe I knew it, but I wasn't honest enough with myself to acknowledge and say, yes, I'm actively being manipulative. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one time when my my partner um, was going out and I basically threw a sulky fit because she was going out without me and didn't want me to come along. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe by sulking and being a baby that she might change her mind. No, she went out anyway. And I think I sat home alone and drank Mm -hmm. because that's what I did. Oh, you have a problem? Throw alcohol on it. That'll make it better. So that's my my first thoughts on it. What do you want to say about it? Well, for uh, those listeners who may not necessarily know what a fourth is, it's it's a fourth step and it's an inventory, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And we're going to talk, or I'll share my experience on the sex conduct part, Mm -hmm. but there's also three other parts, which is fears, harms, and resentments. Mm -hmm. So in terms of sex conduct, for me, I made a list of every man I'd ever had a relationship with, period. And I treated it just like my harms or my fears or my resentments, where I looked for my part. I also looked at uh, what was done against me or what was not acceptable, and I started to see a pattern emerge that I was constantly sacrificing my dignity, my self-worth, and my respect just to keep a man in my life. So whether or not sex was involved, I started to see that pattern and go, why do I do that? Mm. Like, that's not acceptable to me. And it helped me move forward into more healthy relationships, 100%. Did you also do that for like platonic relationships? Like fr- no. your male friendships? No. I have no. a hard time having male friendships. Yeah. Because even though I tell them I'm not interested romantically, and they look in my eyes and say, okay, and I say to them, because this doesn't usually work out well for me once a male friend becomes interested, and they go, okay. It's literally within weeks that I, they try to pursue me romantically and then the relationship's over because yeah. they've just crossed a boundary. And I know that I can't be friends with someone that I'm attracted to. It's impossible for me. Mm. It's why I'm not in a relationship right now because the man that I was falling in love with said, I can't be your boyfriend right now. And Whoa. I said, I can't see you anymore. Then, yeah. I can't talk sure. to you anymore. He's like, we can't talk. I said, I can't. No. Because it's self-abuse to me. I am an expressor and I spent so many years drinking my feelings away that if I can't express myself, it's abusive towards myself. So why would I put myself on the same couch or on the same phone call with someone who I'm falling in love with and can't return it? Agony. That is agony. Let me tell you, it's horrible. That's torturous. Yeah. So that's good. You've you've grown to this point where you're like, okay. Yeah. This is what I require from you. If you can't come to the table with that, I'm sorry. We can't be together. Mm -hmm. 
And it's it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do because this is an amazing man. Yeah. An amazing man. And just because we can't be together doesn't mean I'm not fallen out of love with him yet. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So doing that step work and seeing what was appropriate for me has helped tremendously realize my self-worth and not only that, if I'm avoiding those patterns, I'm avoiding a potential relapse. Because that's the whole point of these fours, whether it's sex inventory or something else. Yeah. We have to recognize the pattern of why we drank, why we drugged. And the best way to get me spun, I don't know about anyone else, is to have sexual attraction with someone. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at it on paper, I think it says, you just read it, like we see it on paper. Yes. You can't deny yeah. the black and white in your own handwriting or on your own laptop looking back at you. Exactly. Yes. Where does it say it? I'm just looking for it. And also, while you're looking for it, um, this can be, especially with trauma, childhood trauma or sexual trauma of any kind, whether it's adult sexual trauma or childhood sexual trauma, um, I know that you and I and a lot of our sisters in our car group are very clear on the fact that we're not therapists Mm -hmm. and trauma needs to be dealt with by qualified mental health professionals but doing this fourth can bring up a lot of that trauma and I know people that had to sit right beside their sponsor as they wrote the inventory because it was too raw and it was too vulnerable and it was too emotional for them to do it on their own so that's why I think therapy and doing this work is the best combination if you struggle with trauma around sexual issues and I think it's important to remember too that our sponsors are not God and our sponsors as you just said are not therapists And here it says, um, you know, our higher power, God alone, can judge our sex situation. Hmm, Counsel with persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Hmm. So, you know. That's good. Somebody might say, oh, you've been too crazy with sex. You should, you know, swear off sex for five years. So that's someone giving you, you know, some probably unsolicited advice yeah and maybe they're you know crazy about sex totally against it maybe it really harmed them so now they think Mm -hmm. that everybody should live the way they live so Mm -hmm. um just yeah it's important and i i don't know why i can't find it but it does say somewhere about in black and white yeah i i also know um because this is just coming to me from this topic conversation people with sex addiction this is very difficult Mm -hmm. so if you have a sex addiction how do you relapse and what I've learned in lurking, in working, lurking, okay. lurking, <laughs> you're lurking around essay. All right. <laughs> in working with sex addicts and going to seminars and different training sessions is that a relapse for someone that's addicted to sex is engaging in sex when it's not in a relationship sense. It's no different than drinking or drugging. Um, with sex addicts, it's about the preparation and the obsession. And once the sex actually happens, it's just like another fix. And so the people that I know that have struggled with sex addiction, it's, it's very clear and easy to recognize, oh, I relapsed in my sex addiction when it's just for the sex, just for the high, just for the physical act, just to satisfy the monster and the desire. And so sex conduct in any addiction is important to look into. Um, I also liked working, um, like I said, in the first um, inventory I did, the sex inventory I did, I was in a relationship at the time. Um, a, well, it should have been a committed relationship. It wasn't so committed on my part. Um, because when I didn't get my way 
Um, I equated sex with love. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't getting sex from my partner, suddenly there was this emptiness inside of me. And I needed someone to fill it up. And if it wasn't going to be her, it was sure as hell going to be somebody else. Because mm -hmm. I couldn't fill that part in myself. And so through looking at that, that was a great um, awakening for me to realize that um, I really relied on external validation from others in all shapes and forms. And sex was a big part of that. So, And it was, it was a little bit of a, a high to have someone flirt with me even though I was in a relationship. Mm -hmm. It made me feel validated. It made me feel like, okay, yeah, I still got it. I'm still attractive. You know, somebody else is interested in me. So if this doesn't work out, you know, there's something else out there. Yeah. Um, so that was very revealing for me. And, uh, and also the fact that I did confuse sex with love. So there are some great questions. If you are doing a sex inventory, uh, you don't have to be cross addicted um, with drugs. But the NA workbook, you can find it online or maybe somebody you know has a copy of it and you can mm -hmm. photocopy those questions and just include that mm -hmm. and go a little bit deeper into your fourth step. Yeah, it's, it's the NA workbook's super comprehensive and amazing. Um, in what ways did I compulsively seek or avoid sex? Mm -hmm. Oh, Yeah, so there's so many different things that this could bring up and, and trigger. Um, have any of my sexual practices hurt myself or others? Um, yeah so each time i think i've gone through a fourth step i've dug a little bit deeper and i've gone a little bit um further into it deeper into my history and what it all meant and it's like um they, they talk a lot about um peeling back the layers of an onion mm -hmm. you know an onion has many layers just like we have many layers and as we get further along the program i think we become more and more honest with ourselves you know yeah we, we start to recognize too there are still levels of denial that we are living in. Yeah. And as you go a little bit further in your program, you start to recognize that. And, and it's still a little bit hard to go, ooh, maybe I wasn't fully honest with myself or I was in denial there. Mm -hmm. But it still happens. We're human. It talks about spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. Um, so that's why I think it's great to continue to keep working on these things. Well, in hindsight's twenty twenty. The further away we get from something and the more work we do, the more clarity we get around it usually. And so people that are worried that they're not going to remember everything for their fourth, we're so much smarter than we give ourselves credit for. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready to work on something, it will come to you. Yeah. So even though it says did a searching, fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves, there's a limit to what you are aware of and what you're mm. not in denial of at any given moment in time and you can always go back and do another fourth yeah and a good time to do a fourth is when you're obsessing over something and it's taking over your life and your headspace it's the best time to do a fourth it is bizarre i am um, i i told you on one of these podcasts a little while ago that i didn't amends to a girlfriend i think she was like my third girlfriend in my life mm -hmm. and i didn't do that amends until 20 years later after you know 20 years because somebody had walked back into my life that was her best friend at the time hmm. and and all of a sudden these things came flooding back to me and then I looked at that I looked at that relationship and I thought you know I never really took the time I never really had that opportunity because she was out west and I was here uh, at the time I was on the east coast and she was on the west coast so I never really did an amends and probably uh, the first time I attempted to do it it wasn't it wasn't good okay <laughs> it was half-assed mm -hmm. so this time i really fully and completely yes i love the tragically hip um i fully and completely owned my part and focused nothing on any of the hurt or pain that i might have suffered during that relationship good it was all about what i had done 
uh, to her. Yeah. And uh, and it was it was well received, so that was good mm-hmm. for me. So yeah, um, and I'm comfortable with my sexuality today. And uh, me you know, too. Yes, <laughs> I have a little pepper in my diet every now and again. <laughs> but I, I don't. It. I don't need it now. That's interesting too. I don't. Um, I don't need it to fulfill me, and I don't need it to decide whether or not I'm worth it. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. That was one of the things that came out was that I was constantly the reason I craved sex so much was because. I didn't really like myself and so I needed somebody else to like me right so that's why sex was really important for me anyway it was deeply uh, and soulfully revealing yeah I find that the more recovery work I do and it actually lines up really great with my religious beliefs at the moment um, the more I realize how my body is a temple and it's a gift and for me to give that to someone they don't just get to show up and buy me dinner yeah. yeah. Like they have to prove that they're trustworthy, mm-hmm. that they care for me, that they're gentle, that they're compassionate, that this is going somewhere. That they're clean. That they're clean. In many ways, <laughs> not just sober talking here. <laughs> it's it's made me much more responsible of my body and much more I've I recognize my value now as a woman as well. And I you know, if people want to have a strictly sexual relationship, that's great. If it's two consenting adults yeah wonderful but for me I can't do that I have to be in a relationship with someone because I become attached Mm -hmm. I don't have that ability to just go and sleep with someone and then that's fine Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work that way for me so knowing that now I also don't lead with it like if I sleep with this person they'll want to be in a relationship with me like that's kind of backwards (laughs) yeah you know I'll be 41 next month I think I finally got a handle on it fingers crossed but I am very happy about how I have dealt with it in the last several years of my life Mm. and it's powerful to take control of that it is yeah so um this person who's doing their fourth step in their sex inventory hopefully we gave you a little bit of insight Mm -hmm. into it and if you want to talk more about it by all means you can email us back again and uh if you have any insight as to what you learned on your Uh, fourth step and you want to share that with us then by all means do that as well we'd love to hear about it yeah so and we love hearing about where where people are in their program Um, we've had somebody tell us they're six months in somebody else tell us they just celebrated their year and uh, it was funny because we remembered that they were coming up on their year and we we sent them an email back and said hey happy happy one year Mm -hmm. and they were so pleased and touched by that um, I mean, I really get a lot from this fellowship and that's one of those things like people genuinely care about each other in this program. Yeah. Because we have been there and we know the pain uh, and the darkness that you've suffered and that you're in because we've walked that walk. So, and that's why Julie and I talk this talk called yeah. Two Sober Chicks. Yeah. Because we want to share. We want to give back in some way. So hopefully you got something from that today. Um, This has been one of our longer ones. So apparently the sex inventory is big for us. Yeah, we're almost at 20 minutes. No way. Yeah. Oh, well, if you've hung in that whole time, thank you. (laughs) Thank God. And we're going to go on our trip um, soon. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be doing some live Facebook posts and uh, some podcasts from The Road and Dr. Bob's house. So please join us. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been... Two Sober Chicks.